Hey, there is something I need to share with you guys, uh, information about your pastor you probably don't know. I currently have four homes. You guys look very worried now, like I'm some kind of rich tycoon taking the tithe of the people with homes all over America. Well, that's not the case. Let me explain. I have one home that I pay for. I've lived in that home over 10 years now here in Hendersonville. And God's blessed us with that. We enjoy where we live. And as long as you guys keep us, we plan to be there a few more years. But uh, I also go to a couple of different homes a year. One of them is in Eastern Kentucky. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. A lot of you saw my blog and you commented on the beautiful pictures that were there. Uh, almost to the West Virginia border. That's where Beth's home is, her hometown that is. And so we go there a couple of times a year and her mom just completely spoils us. She cooks for us and it's a great situation for me because Beth hangs out with her sisters. The kids hang out with their cousins and I'm just this guy who gets three meals a day. I watch football and I read. It's a little bit of heaven for me that week. So I, I feel completely at home when I'm there in Kentucky. Now, I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and spent most of my life there. And then 13 years ago, Beth and I helped start a church there. And my sister still lives there. She has a big house and she is a tremendous host. She lives to host people. So I go to Dallas several times a year for different reasons. We'll, we'll use one of our vacation weeks, but I'll go back to the church we helped start. I'll go to a conference. There's always a reason to go back for some reason. And when I get there, yeah, I caught that too, a reason for some reason. My wife and daughter are laughing at me right now. Okay, thank you. When you hear me preach a hundred times a year, you have to entertain yourself one way or, or the other. And now I'll have to edit this part out of the podcast. So here we go. But I'll go to Dallas for various reasons every year. And my sister, I mean, she treats me and when my family's with me, I mean, she treats us like kings and queens and makes our favorite foods and makes homemade salsa for me. And I feel very much at home there. It's just another home. Got a home in Kentucky, a home in Dallas. And then some of you know, I started earlier this year uh, my doctoral work through Union University in Jackson. Tennessee. So I have to go to Jackson several times a year. And when I first started going, I would pay out of my own pocket for a hotel. And then I reacquainted with a friend of mine who's a pastor in Jackson and he's an empty nester. And he in, invited me to stay in his home. And I'm telling you, his home is nicer than any hotel in West Tennessee. And he and his wife host me and they will feed me dinner and we'll talk late into the night when I'm not doing my homework and it's been a time of refreshing there. So here it is, a home in Hendersonville I pay for, but also a home in Dallas, a home in Kentucky, a home in West Tennessee. All of this happens because I have family and friends who practice hospitality. And today I wanna to talk to you about pursuing hospitality. This is going to be a teaching more than a preaching, information more than inspiration. But God wants to show you why hospitality is so important. We've been in this series called Life Coach, and you'll see from the graphics Dave Wright prepared for us that we're Romans 12, 9 through 12. We've been looking at statements that 
inspire us, that direct our lives, statements that God is speaking to us through. And as I've been studying the text, we're gonna go ahead and spill over into 13. Today we're in Romans 12, 13, because the directives and the things that the scriptures say just continue to speak. And this message, this teaching today is going to open your eyes to a way your life can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says it this way. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Often we don't pursue hospitality. We do the opposite. We avoid hospitality. We think, oh my goodness, they're coming into town. I hope they don't call or I hope they don't see me in the restaurant. And there is a tendency within us to think we're not good enough for hospitality or we're not prepared for hospitality or to diminish the importance of hospitality. And that's what I wanna push back against today because we're gonna see through the scriptures that hospitality is very, very important to God. And that's the reason we need to pursue it. The reason the scripture says pursue hospitality is because we, we have a tendency to avoid it. We have a tendency to not place it at the importance that it needs to be. Now, before we go on to the points, and it's gonna take a few minutes for me to get to the three points today. So don't get nervous. It's not gonna be a long sermon. It just, I wanna build a case before I get to the points. And I wanna give you a disclaimer. You're not gonna leave this service today feeling bad about yourself because you don't have the perfect home and you're not the perfect cook because the message today is not giving, given so uh, you would be qualified to write an article in Better Homes and Gardens or in Southern Living. Um, a lot of times we put a whole bunch of pressure on ourselves and we think that hospitality is just about our physical home. And while our physical home can play an important part, hospitality is not so much about what we have, even though that is a component. It's about the heart we put behind everything God's given us. And we must understand that God has a plan for the hospitality that we show. So what is hospitality? Hospitality is showing love to guests and specifically to strangers. I think it, I know it applies both ways. So hospitality obviously applies to people we know. I demonstrated that with the examples of how hospitality is benefiting my life. But hospitality also implies to people we don't know or people we don't know well. Because it's often easy just to offer help or assistance to those we're gonna receive immediate benefit from. We're going to enjoy the conversation. We're going to benefit from the connection. But the idea behind hospitality is to offer help and, and to offer uh, love and friendship and to open our lives to people we may not even know well. And this was completely necessary in the Bible. The Bible in the early days of the church, people had to, to demonstrate hospitality. And I'll tell you why in, in a minute or two, but let me tell you about something that happened to me when I was a child. My mom and my aunt were driving 
me, my brother and sister from Dallas to California in a car that probably wasn't, wasn't ready for a trip like that. This was before cell phones, before beepers even. Y'all remember beepers, some of you in here? I used to have one, you know, right here in my belt. Man, that's a sad memory. But anyway, and so we're entering, this is in the 80s. Dusk is happening, and we're entering El Paso, Texas, and the car breaks down. So it was a very, it was a strange city, a very different culture in El Paso. Obviously, the two ladies didn't know how to fix the car. So phone calls were made. Phone call got back to my dad in Dallas. My dad contacted a cousin he hadn't spoken to in quite some time who lived in El Paso. That cousin and his family put us up in a hotel, helped get the car to mechanics, fed us a big breakfast the next morning, and helped us get on our way to California. And it was very kind of them and, and uh, very, uh, very healing to a whole family situation and so much good came out of that. Well, this is, this is really what the early Christians encountered, but at a much severe, much more severe case. Because early Christianity, people were very mobile. First of all, the church was being persecuted. So Christians were on the run all the time. And then there was a missionary movement. And so Christians were being sent. And they were being sent from Jerusalem and being sent from Antioch. And they were going all over the Roman Empire to spread the gospel. And because the gospel was spreading and because Christians were gathering, uh, Paul and Barnabas and Peter and those who traveled would circle back around to some of those cities. They would send others to the cities. And back in the first century Rome, there was no such thing as a Holiday Inn or La Quinta or a Hampton Inn. There were no Cracker Barrels or McDonald's, no restaurants, no hotels. And also you couldn't travel at night. You couldn't travel when the sun went down. So Christians were completely dependent upon hospitality. So I want you to see something right now. This is not about manners. This hospitality was a key component to how the gospel was spread. Because as Christians went from city to city, to village to village, to town to town, they were dependent upon the hospitality of other Christians, strangers, people that they had not met before to open up their home. And so the gospel was spread that way. And I want to suggest to you this morning that God is still using hospitality to spread the gospel. God is still using your kindness, your willingness to reach out to strangers, your willingness to show love to your brothers and sisters that you do know, he's using that to further the kingdom and to advance his gospel. So before we start getting into the specifics of that, let me just say a few things. Times have changed since the Bible was written. Things are much different today. So we have to look at hospitality with a much bigger perspective in a much larger and wider scope. First of all, I think that you have to be careful of bringing strangers in your home for security reasons if you have children. You have a responsibility, first of all, as parents to protect your children. In this day and age when sin is so pervasive that if you have children or grandchildren in your home, 
that you have responsibility to have a certain level of knowledge about who comes into your home. And there's ways, there's tools to do that now. And if you're not for sure, be overly careful. Things have changed a lot because in the first century, if people did have a home, often there was guest quarters and there were additional rooms and there were additional places. Nowadays, a lot of us, including myself, live in tract homes, which means in my neighborhood, there's about four floor plans that apply. I mean, there's dozens of homes, about three or four different floor plans, and those do not include guest quarters or separate apartment. So it is that there are some limitations that we have today. I think it's completely appropriate to, to help people get a hotel. I think if you're not, if you're not a cook, and not many of us are cooks these days. It's, it's completely appropriate to take someone to a restaurant and to buy them food there. So the mechanics of this, the mechanics of this is, is not the issue. I'll say one other thing that I think for the purpose of marriage fidelity, I think we need to be careful who we let into our home and how long we let them into our home. And that's another factor. There's all types of different factors. But the point of this teaching and the point of the scripture is your heart are you willing to say, God, will you use, will you use my resources? Will you use my home and my paycheck and my vehicle? And then the most valuable thing that you have, for most of us, that which is of the most value is our disposable time. Do, do we have time for people? Do we have time to meet people in a coffee shop? Because most of our life now happens in what? sociologists called third places, coffee shops, restaurants, church lobbies. The third places where we have, the first place is our home, the second place is our occupation, the third place are these random places. So it's about, do you have the time? Do you, do you have time for that? Do you have time to offer who you are, the essence of who you are? It could include your home, it could include your vehicle, it could include your resource, but it most certainly includes your heart, that you care for strangers. No matter what you believe politically about our immigration policy, from a spiritual standpoint, we have a spiritual mandate all the way back to the Jewish people to show kindness to refugees, to show kindness to aliens, aliens being people from other countries who aren't citizens here. We have a scriptural mandate on a personal level, no matter what you think public policy should be, we, we have a scriptural mandate to show kindness, to show hospitality. And then we certainly should show hospitality to one another. Now, look at the scripture, Hebrews chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 13. Yeah, it is, Hebrews 13. Let brotherly love continue. Look at this, do not neglect to show hospitality. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without even knowing it. I'm sure there's a lot of stories like that. I have a couple in my mind uh, of times when you may have shown hospitality. You may have shown friendliness and you were entertaining one of God's angels. There's a lot to say about that. But I think the part that's most important for our teaching today is the beginning of verse two. Don't neglect to show hospitality. I think the reason the scripture says that is because we tend to neglect hospitality. 
We tend to minimize it, marginalize it, not, not think it's that important. And I think one of the issues we deal with is to not think we're prepared, to not think we're qualified because we compare ourselves to others. And here's the deal. You may not have the home you wish you had, or you may not be a good cook, or, or you may even feel uncomfortable with small talk. But don't let those be an excuse because God's made you the way you are. And the gift of yourself is what you offer in hospitality. And he can use that. Now, in our home, things, things have changed because of the different phases we're at. As we go back to our home and we think about the home we live in now, when we first moved in, we were youth pastors. And during that time, teenagers were coming and going. And there was kind of an open door policy. I didn't know who would show up, when they would show up, or why they would show up. And that's how it was as youth pastors. And then as the kids got older, and, and we started a church eight years ago, then we had a lot of meetings at our home, small groups. We had two different small groups at our home. We had the newcomer dinner at our home, or not dinner, but the newcomer meeting at our home. And then as time went on, we shifted that, some of you may remember, to the young adults ministry. And for two to three years, every Sunday night, we would have in our home college-age students that attended this church, and that was such a blessing to open our home. And now things have shifted again. Now we don't have small groups at our house currently, and we don't have meetings at our home. And our kids are older, and they have more stuff, and they take up more space. So... Most of our hospitality is for their friends and neighborhood kids. And so we always have kids coming and going and I came home from work Friday or, and I found out, you know, Beth said, hey, Anna's here. So one of Abby's friends had just appeared and other kids come into our door and they raid my refrigerator and children have taken over our home. And that's the phase we're in. We don't do a whole lot of, I've not had in, in many years, I haven't had the board over to my house or the elders over to my house. Matt Malone still hasn't been to my house. I mean, there's, it's just different phases. At different phases, hospitality manifests itself in a different way. So again, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And it's about understanding that God's gonna use your home, your time, your money for his glory and for his purposes. And saying, all that I have, God, I want you to use it. So I spent a lot of time trying to convince you that hospitality was important. Are you with me now? Do you think it's important? So now I want to share with you three components that I think we need in order to give hospitality as freely as God wants us to. So these are three components of why, why we need to offer hospitality or, or how we can offer it. And here's the first one. The first one is the word surplus. The word surplus. So important that you understand surplus is the margins of your life. It's the overflow of your life. It's the extra in your life. And I believe that it's in the margin. It's in the extra. It's in the overflow. It, 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 that's where we serve and we show hospitality the best. And immediately we think about resources. And we'll get to resources in a moment. But I, I want to talk to you about the first area of surplus or margin that you may overlook. And that's your emotional capacity to engage with people. Your energy level. You having something left over 
to give for conversation, to give for time. When a friend of yours or even a stranger needs an ear or needs your time or needs to go deep, sometimes we don't have the emotional surplus to give people the attention that God wants us to give them. So it is we have to manage that. We have to manage that so that we do have disposable time and we do have disposable energy. And it's true that there are certain phases of our life that are busier than others. And to be honest with you, from about June of this year up until fall break was a crazy time for me. And I was way too busy. And my hope and my plan was to know that that was a short-term situation because of some choices and some situations in my life. But I knew that I couldn't sustain that pace long-term, so I kept saying, if I could just get the fall break. Now, when I look at my week ahead of me, I don't have anything scheduled this week at night this week. So unless you have a real emergency, can you give me a week off? I'm just joking. (laughs) So there's disposable time for those type of conversations, for unstructured time with my family, for doing some chores that would maintain our home or to benefit things. There is a sense of maintenance that happens so you can offer yourself in hospitality both emotionally and even physically. Margin, space. And I think this is especially true in the area of resources. In the area of resources because it does take resources to show hospitality at some level. doesn't mean you can't be hospitable if you don't have resources. But when you have a surplus of resources or a surplus of money or a surplus of food to share, or for some of us, and this would not apply to me, but made to you, a surplus of rooms, you have an extra room or whatever, then you can share in hospitality. Now let's go to the book of 3 John which is not a book we go to often. It only has one chapter. But John is writing here and he says, Dear friends, I pray that you may prosper in every way. I love that word, prosper in every way. So this this applies spiritually, to prosper spiritually. This applies financially. You're gonna see that very clearly. This, This applies to your health. I mean, it's hard to show hospitality, and I don't, I don't mean this in a demeaning way in the least, but when we're not healthy, it's hard to show hospitality. We may not physically be able to. And so, so it is that, God's, dear friends, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health physically, just as you are spiritually. For I was very glad when some brothers came and testified to your faithfulness to the truth how you are walking in the truth. It's going on to the next slide. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now look at this part, verse five. Dear friends, you are showing faithfulness by whatever you do for the brothers, especially when they are strangers. So this is hospitality. This is how the gospel started, by showing hospitality to Christian brothers and sisters, even when they were strangers. They have testified to your love in front of the church. You will do well to send them on their journey. 
in a manner worthy of God. It says they set out for the sake of the name that is Jesus, accepting nothing from the pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we can be co-workers with the truth. And that's a lot of scripture, and that's a longer passage than you're accustomed to reading. But I want you to see this. John said, I want you to prosper. I want you to prosper in every way. And this is what I want you to do with it. I want you to help people, even strangers. I want you to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. You know your hospitality? Your hospitality helps people, not just on a journey from location to location, but from phase of life to phase of life. I mean, when you show hospitality to a young couple with babies, you're helping them get from one phase of life to another. When you show hospitality to a college student, you're helping getting, help getting them from one phase to another. When you show hospitality to children, you're help transitioning them into adolescence, into adulthood. And when you show support for those, those who are spreading the message of the gospel, your coworkers, you're right there with them. So here's the deal. I mean, I would guess all of us, maybe there's an exception, would love to have more income or more, love to have less debt and more money and more disposable income. So the question is not how. I mean, that is a question. You know, how can we get more money? I think the first question is this. Why? I mean, why do you need a bigger house? Some of you, I know in this church, are downsizing. And that's what God's calling you to do now. So that might be where you need to go. But if you have this desire to have a larger house or a larger car, or if you, you have a desire to, to, to have more resources, to have more money, I, I'd love to have more money. Why? Why? Just to spend it on yourself? Is it wrong to spend it on yourself? No, but to simultaneously be a person of hospitality, to, to use your resources to bless others, to refresh others, to, to make others feel at home in the home that you have. Sometimes that's by the Spirit, and God's doing that. So the question is, why? Why, God, do you want to prosper us? Here's the second phrase, healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. One of the reasons that we're reluctant to show hospitality is because our relationships within our homes aren't very healthy. Maybe we're pretending that our marriage is all together and if people come into our home, they're gonna, they're gonna discover that it's just hanging by a thread. Maybe it is that our home is just chaotic or let's get beyond the physical home, the workplace. There's something you're hiding at your work. And so you compartmentalize and you have one reputation here at the church but a completely different reputation at work. You have one reputation here at the church, but students, you have a complete different reputation at school. Or you have one reputation here at the church among your Christian friends. But if people were really in your home, they would find something much, much different. That's why I think a great definition of leadership is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when the qualifications of what this version says is an overseer, which I believe this is a pastor or an elder, someone who's leading the church and spiritually. So an elder or a pastor. 
Here's a qualification. This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable. Now, here's a word. Hospitable. Now, I, I, I think, let me give some commentary here. This is more than just opening up the home. I think it's the whole idea of being approachable or touchable or reachable. We don't need spiritual leaders who hide behind security guards and an entourage. We, we need spiritual leaders who are touchable and reachable and whose lives are known and, and who aren't living behind a facade that they're real, they're authentic. So I believe hos, hospitable especially in our modern culture, includes those things. An able teacher, not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. And look at this phrase I underlined. One who manages his own household competently, having his children under control with all dignity. For if one, if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? Let's go back to verse four and see that phrase there. I underlined this for a reason. I don't think that this statement puts my family under this intense scrutiny. As you observe my life, no doubt I'm gonna make parental mistakes. And no doubt my kids, even though they're perfect in my eyes, you're gonna see them misbehave or do something wrong. And that doesn't disqualify me from preaching on a Sunday. So I don't want, I don't want my family to be under that type of scrutiny. And I don't think you want to be, you know, the, the great judge of my parenting and my family in that manner. I think what it's saying, the bigger, the bigger issue here is this, is that my ministry as the pastor of this church, my ministry should be the same as my ministry at home. Those should not be disconnected. So I don't minister to you here at the Church of Indian Lake and then give no attention to my home. Nor so do, nor, nor so do I shrink from my professional or God-given responsibilities because I'm just always home with my kids and be like, sorry, family time. I can't serve the church. I can't be there. Uh, sorry, I'm sleep I, I didn't show up this Sunday. Didn't show up to preach this morning because you know, I wanted to watch another Disney movie with my kids last night. Sorry about, no, they, they, they're connected, okay? They go together. My ministry at the church and the home are interconnected together. The idea behind this is authenticity, nothing to hide, integrity, and this applies to you. So the idea is the people who work with you and whatever reputation you have in your occupation, uh, if they were to be in your home, those two personas should connect. Uh, if you're a teacher, if your students came into your home, which I don't, in actuality, don't necessarily recommend, but in theory, if those students were in your home, uh, your professional and teaching life and your home life should connect. This is, this is the gateway to hospitality. My home is open. My disposable time is open. Uh, my casual conversation is open because I'm not going to be one way in the pulpit 
and another way when we're at Starbucks. I'm not going to be one way in the classroom and another way when you run into me at the park. I'm not going to be one way at a elders meeting or at a 242 group and then change my persona when I go on vacation. They're one in the same. Hospitality says, I'm open. This is who I am. I'm not perfect. I want to make mistakes, but this is who I am. And I want to share my life with you. That's what that's about. Here's the third thing I want to say before we move to closing. Is eternal priorities. Eternal priorities. Hospitality helps keep us in eternal priorities. Here's an amazing scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 says it this way. Now the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Like the end of this sermon is near. Can we say amen to that? Is that good? When Beth comes up, you know the end of the sermon is near. The end of the service is near. Well, the end of all things is near. The people who lived at the time that Peter wrote this lived with the expectation that Jesus could appear at any moment. And so should we. Jesus is going to appear. And can I tell you, friends, the end is near. If Jesus comes back today, or if we live long, full lives and he doesn't come back for 200 years. The end is near for all of us. The end is near. So now here's the thought. If he says the end is near, um, shouldn't we sell all our possessions and go live in the woods and just wait for his coming? Or if the end is near, uh, shouldn't as soon as church is dismissed, we should all go to the corner of the highway and scream at all the cars, turn or burn, come on people, the end is near. We, 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 we're, we, we have to have this irrational passion that we gotta get people saved and there's this sense of pressure and stress. You would think that's what's coming. But let's read, it says, therefore the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-headed. Okay, don't do things like, predict the day that Jesus is going to come back again. Because that's unbiblical anyway. Or don't sell all your possessions and go sit on a hill and wait for Jesus to come back. No, be clear-headed. Be disciplined for prayer. How I many know our church is trying to get more involved in prayer? We had a great prayer meeting both Tuesday and Thursday. We had some prayer people here this morning. So we need to pray more. Verse 8, above all, maintain an intense love for each other. I love that phrase. You know why? Because you know, it's easy to let our love drift. We got to maintain our love. Because if not, someone like Sid Shaw is going to take me off. So I've got to maintain my love for Sid, which is easy to do, kind of. Okay, so maintain an intense love for each other. Since love covers over a multitude of sins and praise God for that scripture. Now here's the part I want you to see. In verse nine, be hospitable to one another without complaining. So look at the connection of verse 7 to verse 9. The end of all things is near, so be hospitable. So God's saying the end of all things is, is near, so go out to lunch with somebody. The end of all things is near, so meet up at a coffee shop. The end of all things are near, and so 20 times a year we have 242 groups. Go to 242 groups. The end of all things are near. Have disposable time in your life for a significant conversation. Don't be so busy you don't have time for people you love or people who are strangers. The end of time is near. So have a ready heart that if God wants you to show his love to a stranger, 
or he wants you to show his love to someone you haven't thought about or a relative that is calling you that you haven't spoken to in years or to a neighbor you've overlooked. You have the surplus. You've got the time. You've got the emotional energy. You, you have the resources. I mean, that gives you a whole new motivation to want that raise or to save that money or to be more disciplined in your finances. If, if the end of all things is clear. So keep things healthy in your marriage and in your relationships with your children and your relationships with your in-laws and your siblings because you can't waste time with all that emotional mess that comes. The end of all things are near, so be hospitable. See, Jesus was an example of this. He was only on this earth for 33 years. He spent the first 30 in preparation. And then he was one day doing this great, incredible act to save the world, going to a wedding. Now, it was a simple thing. Just going to a wedding. Going to a wedding. Celebrating life. Celebrating a custom. Being hospitable. Responding to the invitation to the wedding. And the Son of God was revealed when the water turned into wine. Because he revealed himself. I, I just want you to know this. Guys, God can use the little things. He can use the phone call. He can use the Thanksgiving dinner. He can use the holiday tradition. He can use the meeting at the coffee shop. He can use the chance encounter at the park for his glory, for his purpose, to reveal the Son of God. I don't want you to live under this pressure of thinking, oh, I wish I was one of those that, that I wrote and millions would read what I wrote. I wish I was one of those who every millions would hear what I sang. Millions would hear my speech. And to think that your life isn't significant and you haven't reached your potential just because you're not famous in this world. Instead, can we believe that our God can use our customs and our conversations and our meals and our hospitality and our resources and our homes and our cars and our love for one another. And the gospel will be advanced through that in these last days. Amen. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me all over this place? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for stirring us. Lord, there's a lot bubbling up in here. There's a whole lot bubbling up in here. I know this. I know this, that the nature of this message means there's a lot of different things people are considering right now. And I also know this, Holy Spirit, you are unique. And you customize your message. And you're speaking. God's stirring something in you. I don't know if it's about your schedule or about your home, about your time management. I don't know if it's simply about your inability to listen. Something God is stirring in you. And I just want you to know that it's the Holy Spirit that's stirring that up in you right now. Hospitality is important. Romans 12, 13 said, pursue hospitality. Pursue hospitality. Fight for it. Chase it. Make it a priority. Whatever that means to you, whatever your social situation is, whatever your home situation is, whatever age you are, it's going to mean something different. But God says, pursue that which I put on your heart.